All right, we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul this morning. Paul, he is in Corinth. It's around A.D. 56 to 58. And he, and he sits down and he begins to write a letter to the church at Rome. Now, Paul had not yet been to Rome. He'd never met the believers at Rome. He's writing a letter to one to introduce himself and, and to kind of lay out the, the, the doctrine and what we believe as Christians and kind of prepare the way because Paul was going to be heading to Rome in the near future and he was looking forward to the opportunity to work alongside them in the kingdom of God. Amen? They were living, this was a group of people that were living in a non-Christian society. These were a people that were in a land that was governed by Emperor Nero. Now, this was in the early parts of the early years of his reign, and he was not at his worst yet. But in just a few short years, you would see Emperor Nero do things to Christians that are unthinkable. So Paul is writing to them, and for the first 11 chapters, he really kind of lays out like what we believe, um, what our doctrine is. But then from chapters 12 to 16, he begins to talk about in instructing them how to live as a Christian. What is a Christian's life supposed to look like, and what's it supposed to look like in a hostile environment? Anybody ever been in a hostile environment? What I love about Paul is, he just gives it to you plain. He didn't tell the church at Rome to compromise, to give in and, and, and just go with the grain of what's taking place there in Rome. No, he, he didn't even tell them to silence their voice and be a little quiet and, and to kind of hide their faith. But no. You see, Paul begins to go and tell them and instruct them on how to stay effective in impacting and touching lives in a society that's dangerous. And also, when I love this, is to begin to help us understand how to guard the Lord's reputation. How many know it's important not to blow your witness for Christ? Amen? So I love this. You see, Paul, the church at Rome, the early church, the true church today, all of us sitting here, Ocean Tonight Christian Center, we are all ambassadors for Christ. Can I get an amen? An ambassador is somebody that has been selected. It has been handpicked and chosen. But you see, we weren't just chosen by anybody. We were chosen by the king of glory, the highest authority of all. And we're here as ambassadors sent out on a mission mandated to take the gospel to every nation. But I don't know about you, but ambassadors all, aren't always well-received when they go to the people that God is sending them to. If you're here and you've ever tried to witness to somebody that wasn't, you know, receiving what you were trying to give them, you know, sometimes it can get a bit of a, a nasty situation. You know, when you begin to declare truth to, to somebody or whatever the situation is, some people can get their backs up, and come against you. Let me give you a couple of examples. And as we, as we look at this, I want to say this, that we are going to go through some times and challenges as Christians. If you are bent on doing the will of God, the Word of God says this, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, shall suffer persecution. 
It says that, that it, it, is in much it is through much tribulation that we even enter into the kingdom of God. And so if you are standing for truth, if you are doing what God wants you to do, you are going against the grain and there is going to be resistance. Amen? So check this out. In the Old Testament, David. Now, King Hanan had just died and his son had taken his place. The Bible tells us that, that David wanted to send words of comfort and consolation to this, this new king. So 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse number 4 says this. So Hanan seized David's ambassadors and shaved off each man's beard, cutting off their robes at the buttocks and sent them back to David in shame. You see, the commanders of that king, they got a little suspicious when David's ambassadors came. And rather than receiving the good news that, G, or that David was trying to send them, they rather mistreated the servants of David. You guys know very well who Stephen was, right? Stephen was a man who the Bible says was preaching the gospel and signs and wonders were, were following him. And people started to get upset. Acts chapter 6, 11 and 12 says that they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him. They seized him, and they brought him to the council. But I love about Stephen is Stephen was a man who was bent on doing the will of God so much that when the council asked him, are these things so, he began to preach. And it's about a chapter and a half, and he doesn't hold back, but he begins to speak the truth. And so what do they do? They take him outside of the city, and they stone him. You know, I was looking over this, you know, and I, I don't want to diminish, you know, persecution that we face right here in America. But we have never experienced anything like the early church. And I think about, like, if I ever am persecuted for Christ's sake and I have an excuse or I want to complain, maybe I should go and complain to Paul and see how Paul responds. Or maybe I should go and complain to Peter and see how Peter what he would have to say about that. These men were incredible giants in the faith. When you look at some of the areas and some of the regions where they went and the societies that they stepped foot in, they didn't have six million people behind them on their side, on their team. Oftentimes they just went in one or two or, or three of them or a small group of people. And they went in, it was like they're going into the lion's den. But they had the lion on the inside of them. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And they, they spoke the truth. And yes, they were persecuted. And yes, but man, God showed up and God touched lives and transformed people. And let's talk about Paul. Paul was the man that was standing there when Stephen was getting stoned to death because he preached Christ. He was consenting to the stoning. But how many know that Paul couldn't resist God forever? The love of God is something amazing. The, the presence, the manifest presence of God will do something to your heart. Paul's in prison writing to the church at Ephesus in chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. He says, and pray for me too and ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now still preaching the message as God's ambassador. 
So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Thrown in the jail because of Christ. But what happens if we're fired from our job because we resist to, 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 to compromise our, our faith? or What, what, what happens when, when, when something bad happens to us just because we love Jesus? So Paul, he's writing to the Romans, and he could have said a lot of things to them. He could have told them, well, you know, just, just move to another town. Move, move from a, a Roman province that, that Emperor Nero doesn't govern. But no, Paul gave us a scripture in the book of Romans chapter 12 that is so, so profound, and it's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Romans 12, 21 says this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We have the ability to do good in the face of evil and stop it just like that. He was telling them that when they faced ridicule, insults, insults and, and cruelty, violence for the cause of Christ, you've got a couple of choices. And I love this. I was looking at it in the Greek, and that word overcome is there twice in that, in that, that, uh, that, that scripture, in that verse. And it's the same Greek word, and it's an imperative verb in the present tense. And so it's not an, really an, it's not an option. It's a command. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Us. We have the ability to do that. So let's talk about the negative first. How is it that we can get our place in a position where evil is overcoming us? I'm going to give you the three R's. You ready? Retaliation, revenge, and repay. It's giving them what they are giving you. You see, that's the first thing that we want to do is, you know, somebody lash out at us or whatever. We, well, immediately those emotions rise up and we want to retaliate. We want to, we want to hurt them because they've hurt us. Proverbs has a lot to say in this regard. Proverbs 15 and 18 says this, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger, what does he do? He appeases contentions. You have the ability to cool the situation by being slow to anger. Proverbs 12 and 16 says this, says that a, a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. When they insult you, do you rise up? Do you, do you pull your sleeves up? And, or do you just stay calm and reserved? Proverbs 15 and 1 says this, that a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words makes tempers flare. You see, when we respond to evil with evil, all we're doing is increasing the amount of evil, evil that's in the situation and making it worse. We're just throwing fuel on the fire. You want to make a fire bigger, just throw some gasoline on it. That's all we're doing. But when we do that, we're opening ourselves up to the same hateful and angry spirit that is coming against us. And it's like, and then it's operating through us. And we're not getting anywhere. Revenge gives evil victory over us. It puts the light out. 
Look to somebody this morning and tell them, don't put the light out. Another way that we can give evil victory in our lives, and it really kind of, um, kind of, it's kind of the same thing, but it's when we allow the actions of others and how they treat us, when we allow what they do to us to affect the way that we conduct ourselves. If somebody lashes out you and then we operate outside of the character of Christ, it is dangerous. Why? It's because it causes us to misrepresent who Christ is. We're not truly reflecting Christ if we're just letting somebody have it. I know it's not easy, and I know I'm making the devil really mad this morning, but I'm just trying to, to, to position us, give you some keys so that we can go out and we can take this city for Jesus Christ. Because you see, not everybody in Vero Beach is saved yet. You see, the Bible talks about God. It re God reveals himself through the scriptures by the Spirit of God. He says that he is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. The Bible says that God is love. And it's awesome because Paul got this revelation. God, you know, God did something amazing through this man of God, and that in his first letter to Corinthians, he begins to lay out what love looks like. What is our true reflection of, of God? And it says this, 1 Corinthians 13 and 5, that love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. And it thinks no evil. It's the normal response to rise up and want to get back at somebody. But see, the truth is, and the awesome news is this, is that we don't have to subject ourselves to that old nature because God has given us incredible promises so that we can become partakers of the divine nature of heaven. When we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, he placed his spirit on the inside of us. And now we can truly, through surrender and that, be, that relationship being cultivated, we can now truly reflect who Christ is. Amen? All right, let's get on to the, to the good news. So how is it that we can, that we can carry um, away the victory over evil when things rise up? I'm going to give you a few, a few, four little keys here. But I, I told the first service, I was trying to come up with some really cool, like, names for the topic so you guys would remember them. But I didn't get nothing. So it, they're just plain Jane. You can write, write them down because they're extremely important. The first way in which we can carry away the victory and overcome evil with good is that we must work together. We must work together. But let me clarify that. I'm not talking about you working with the person that you're sitting next to. And, I, and, 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 and this is why I say that. Romans 8 and 13 says this. It says, for if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you are habitually putting to death, making extinct and deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body, you shall really and genuinely live forever. The Spirit of God on the inside of you is what is going to enable you to be able to overcome evil. We must work hand in hand with the Spirit of God. The Bible says that we are like sheep gone astray. We're all 
dumb and, you know, we, we just go anywhere we want. But, but when we allow the Spirit of God to take the lead, then we can truly walk just as he walked. Amen? Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 or 18, it says that we are being transformed into that very image even by the Spirit of God. That's who you have on the inside of you. And oftentimes we neglect him. And that we, we, we operate from our own, you know, willpower and our flesh and everything else. And then we, we don't truly represent who Christ is. But remember who you have on the inside of you next time somebody tells you off because you're trying to tell them that Jesus loves them. I was recalling some back in the day before I was saved and even in my early days as a Christian when I wasn't, you know, all together. It was hard. And it was two struggles that I really had, and it was self-control, and it was taming my tongue. I would always want to be in control of a situation. You know, feel like I, I, I had to defend myself and, and fight for myself and, and so on and so forth. And then the other thing is I, I couldn't control this thing. The psalmist got it right. He said, when you're ensnared by the words of your mouth, your, your words have power. And man, we can really get ourselves all caught up with the words that we speak. James chapter 3 says this. It says that the, 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 the beasts of the field and the birds of the air can all be tamed by man, but the tongue no man can tame. It's an unruly evil and it's full of deadly poison. It says that with it, we bless God but yet we curse man who was made in the image of God. And it said that it shouldn't be like this. So one of the ways in which we can overcome evil with good is by yielding to the Spirit of God to help tame my tongue, keep my mouth shut so I don't say something that I'm going to regret. Because the thing about words is once they go out, you can't take them back. Amen? Amen. So the first key is we must work together. The second one, now I did have a kind of a cool name for this one, but, you know, I, I, it was Don't Hate, Investigate. But, like, I changed it, and, and, and now it's Do the Unexpected. And you'll understand why. Exodus chapter 23, verse 5 says this, that if you see that the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. Stop and help. Be real easy to remember all that that person has done to you and just leave the donkey in the situation the way that it is. Proverbs 25, 21 and 2 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire upon his head and the Lord will reward you. We got to do the unexpected. We got to look for opportunities to show kindness and to demonstrate the love of God. It said that we can heap coals of fire on a person's head. Now, there's a, when you go into trying to study and research that, there are commentators that go in all kinds of different directions. There's about 30 trains of thought as to what that means. But the reality, when you look at the context of what Paul is saying up to leading to this, it carries with it the idea that by when they do evil to you and you do good to them, you can cause them to come to their senses and realize what they've done. And there's gonna, there could possibly be a change of heart in that individual and some of you know because you've been doing it you have the ability literally to touch and impact somebody's lives just by doing good amen so let us look for opportunities 
Now, with that being said, I want to say this, but when somebody does you wrong and then you're going to go and do good, that doesn't make you passive or a weak Christian. That's warfare. That's you getting rid of the darkness. That's you not allowing darkness to prevail in that situation. That's you protecting, protecting your heart as well. Amen? And remember that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So our enemies are not, are not people, but spirits that are influencing people. And we know because we were there. Our minds were blinded at one time where we couldn't see the glorious light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. But now our eyes are open, and now we can see. And so we also must kind of put ourselves in their shoes and be merciful to them and to love them. Love the hell right out of them. Number three, don't just pray, pray. Don't just pray, but pray. You see, we can, we can send up a, a nice prayer. Lord, they said this to me, and God, man, I hurt my feelings, and all that. We can, we, God bless them, and you know, take care of them, and everything else. But I asked the the nine a.m. service. I said, "Have you included your enemies in your Daniel fast?" When you're laboring before the Lord, are you laboring for your enemies as well? Are you praying for your enemies the way that you're praying for your spouse or or your children or, or, or your loved ones and family? That's what I mean when don't just pray, but pray. Effective, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. There's power in your prayers. There's proud power in your sacrifice when you're willing to abstain Oh, man, I believe it's something so powerful in his spirit. When you begin to abstain from things because you want to see your enemy, the one that wishes ill towards you, you want to see them encounter the presence of God. Let me give you some scripture here. 1 Peter 3 and 9 says this, Never return evil for evil or insult for insult, scolding, tongue lashing, or berating. But on the contrary, blessing praying for their welfare, happiness, and protection, and truly pitying and loving them. For know that to this you have been called, that you may yourselves inherit a blessing from God, that you may obtain a blessing as heirs, bringing welfare and happiness and protection. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, we all know this scripture, but I, I included this because I want to I show you something that's powerful. It says, first of all, then I admonish and urge you that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in positions of authority or high responsibility, that outwardly we may pass a quiet and un undisturbed life and inwardly a peaceable one in all godliness and reverence and seriousness in every way. So I included this because you got to understand this is 1 Timothy. This is Paul writing a letter to Timothy. After the fact that when he went to Rome, he was incarcerated for the cause of Christ by Nero. And so now he's writing to Timothy who is, is in Ephesus. And I just love it because Paul, I believe Paul understood something. He, he could have said, you know, first of all, I admonish you and urge you the petitions, prayers, intercession, things even be made for, for most men for most kings and most of those that are positions of authority and just exclude Nero. 
the one that was setting Christians on fire. But yet he said, no, you got to pray for them. You got to pray for them. So powerful. I remember years ago, somebody did something, and man, I was just, I was, I was so irate. It's where I kind of learned some of these things. Experience is the best teacher. And I remember I was like, this something happened, and I was, I was infuriated. I mean, I was like consumed with like anger and, and rage to the point where I, I like wanted to hurt somebody as a Christian. And I remember there was a moment that I stopped and I whispered, Holy Spirit, help me. That's all I said. And man, the presence of God, the peace of God, man, just manifested in such an incredible way. And then what happened next was I began to pray for that person. And I began to truly, truly pray and labor for them. And let me tell you, everything that I was feeling went right out the door went right out the door. When I tell you don't just pray, but pray, man, it's for them and it's for you as well. Are you with me this morning? Don't put your light out. And the last one is this, short word this morning. Let God be God. Let God be God. Trust him and let him execute vengeance. They're his enemies, not your enemies. You're carrying a message. They're rejecting the message that he gave you. They're ultimately rejecting him. Let him handle it. He can handle it. He's El Shaddai. I want to read something. I want you to listen to these words. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 6 through 10 says, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. God says that he's going to repay them. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. There's no reason for you to do it. Let him handle it. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. In other words, there's coming a day when all of the, the resistance and the persecution is going to stop. But until then, persevere and continue to let your light shine. It says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. I really think that if we take time to look at this scripture and to see that those that persecute us for the sake of righteousness and don't repent, that's what awaits them. I believe that if we look genuinely and truly look at that, and if we say that we have the love of God in us, we are not okay with that. We can't be okay with that. Knowing that a person, that hell is destined for somebody that does not receive Christ, I'm not okay with that. I want to see everybody go to glory. 
So rather than retaliating and blowing my witness for Christ, I want to show God's love. It doesn't matter. Even if you cuss me down and cuss me like a dog, even if you try to take away things, even if you try to throw me in prison, I still, I want to be like Paul. He said was there on house arrest. And for two years, he just welcomed people. He didn't complain that he had bars around him. He didn't complain. He just received people and just continued on pressing in and speaking the gospel message, changing lives. So no matter what's done to us, let us value life. I believe David understood that. Saul chased that poor man for years, trying to kill him. David's just playing music and comes a javelin. I mean, but what's awesome is that there came a time where David had a chance to get back at Saul. What did he do? He just went and clipped a little bit of his robe just to show him that I, I could have got you, but I know better. You don't touch God's anointed nor do his prophets no harm, but, but even in a general sense, you got to value life and know that the person that's doing all that stuff, Christ still died for them. He still died for them. And he said that it's not his will that any would perish, but that all would come, that would come to repentance and attain eternal life. So this morning, I want to speak to you as I close, and I want to say this. I am an ambassador for Jesus Christ by the grace and mercy and call of God upon my life. And it would be robbery if I sat here and I shared the word of God with you and I did not share the glorious message of salvation to you. So if you are sitting here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are not truly living the life that God ordained and destined for you. And today, everything can change. And right now, even the enemy is going to try to put thoughts in your mind and, and everything else, but I want you to just listen for just a moment. There is a lot of things that we can get tangled up in the world and we can go and chase love in all the, the wrong places, but, but the right place is right here, right now, to experience the love of God. The Bible said in John 3.16 that God so loved the world, he so loved you and me that he gave. He was willing to give his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish. They would not go to hell, but they would attain to eternal life. All have sinned, every man, every woman. We have all fallen short of the standard of God's living. And the Bible says that the wages, the penalty, the rewards for that sin is death. It's spiritual death. If you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life right now, you're spiritually dead and separated from him. And if you die, or when you die, you're going to be eternally separated from him. God said he appointed a day in which he's going to judge the world in righteousness by that man he has chosen. And he's given assurance that he rose him from the dead. You see, God loved you so much that he was willing to demonstrate his love to you in sending Christ to the cross where one hand went and another hand went and his legs went and their love was displayed, the greatest love that the world will ever see. He demonstrated that for you delivered up for our wrongdoing, raised to make us in right standing with God.
So I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for a moment. I am not going to, I'm not going to stretch this out because it's a very, very just simple decision. Yes or no. This morning, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to give your life to him, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. There's no need to be ashamed. There's no need to be fearful. All of us in here have been at that place. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're here this morning, and you would like the Savior of the world to come and change your life, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hands. Father, we are so grateful this morning for the sacrifice of love that you have shown us. And I pray that as we move in these days, that you would help us to seize every opportunity that you place before us. As we are all here and we are all walking with you, may that walk be a walk of love and a walk of power. Shining our light so bright that people won't even understand like what, why is he doing that? Why is she doing that? And it be demonstrating how you see us and what you do to us. We love and we appreciate you. We thank you for your word and how you've encouraged us to be just like you. And through that, can touch people. So we pray as we depart our ways this morning and as we move through this Daniel fast, we think about those that have wronged us for the cause of Christ. We pray for their salvation. We pray, Father, that as we labor and as we sacrifice, that you would encounter them just like you encountered us so that they can experience your love. We love and appreciate you this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. We love you. And uh, guys, stay strong because I know that this sacrifice, it's a sacrifice for the Daniel fast. But man, you will see tremendous breakthrough. And uh, if you guys have prayer, if you're here and you need um, to be prayed for, we're going to have some leaders up front. And you guys can come up and we'll pray with you. Otherwise, you guys be blessed and we'll see you again.